Mr. Steve Dace, welcome to the program from Iowa. Uh, probably, I think, the leading expert uh, on our uh, on our program or on the Blaze TV uh, when it comes especially to Iowa, but maybe politically. You are really dialed into this. You have been not only watching it, but participating uh, in politics and uh, the electoral process there in Iowa for years and years and years. Welcome to the program, Steve. Good morning, Glenn. Thanks for having me back. How is this how is this race different than the other races that you've seen over the over the years? I think what makes this race different than any other is this is this is 2012 for the Democrats, where if you go back to the 2012 Republican primary, it was all about anybody but Obama, anybody but Obama, anybody but Obama. And then as the primary got going, it became anybody but Romney. Romney was clearly established as the establishment candidate. And so you had these flavors of the month come up and who could capture the, the imagination of the grassroots and, and stop Mitt Romney from being the nominee. That, that's how this process began for them. But they, they ended up with somebody who, who belly flopped as a Mitt Romney and is underperforming in the early states dramatically so compared to all of his national polling. And just to show you how ridiculous national polling is, today there's a presidential primary poll of New Jersey for reasons only a law knows. Okay, I mean, there's, there's no, because I, I just wanted to bill people. I wanted to call people. New Jersey's opinion on the presidential process is irrelevant. Right. And so it goes back to what I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, that it doesn't matter what anybody thinks, except that they live in Iowa, Nevada, South Carolina, and New Hampshire right now. And I think what we're, so there's this free-for-all because no one has established their lane. They don't have a clear establishment candidate. Biden is leading in that sub-primary, but he can't close the sale because, frankly, he's incompetent. And you saw that come out in the debate last uh, last week, where as the debate were on, so did he. Uh, and, 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 and so nothing is established. It is really, to use a wrestling term, it is a battle royale right now. They're all in the ring together taking shots. So who's up and who's down from last week? I think the I think nothing has really changed from last week. I think right now um, you have a, a Warren Bernie Sanders free for all for the grassroots. You know, Bernie, I, I mean, Bernie is the Ron Paul character. He has an insurgent wing of people that just want to disrupt the process and see him either personally or ideologically. And I'm not drawing a moral equivalency between the two, a situational yeah. one. So yeah. either they see him ideologically or personally as a disruptor. But there's not enough of those people to win. And so he's, he's got to grow his coalition. And Elizabeth Warren has always ate into his ability to do that. And in the last couple of weeks, it looked like he had pushed her back or whether she had made enough mistakes to hurt herself. But now you're seeing, including with the New York Times editorial this morning, you're seeing the more establishment hard left now, meaning the more polished, softer side of Sears, as I call it. Yeah. They're now coming, surging back to try to push her over the top on Bernie Sanders. And that's where they're doing body language ana analyses of Bernie on these channels that are all pro-Warren. Um, and so I think that's really the only thing is there's now like a second Ted offensive on behalf of Elizabeth Warren from the media. So it's interesting to me um, that you saw that bias in the last debate with CNN, where they just believed Warren and just dismissed Bernie Sanders. Um, but also the New York Times now has, and I don't, I don't remember the New York Times uh, offering two candidates before, but this time they're offering two candidates as their uh, editorial pick. Explain. 
I think this is a very strategic decision. I don't think it's just some of it is 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 pathos. It's just pure emotion of a newsroom that just wants it to be the year of the woman so bad. But I think beyond that, I, I think that Warren is their candidate. And Amy Klobuchar is not competing with her in Iowa. If you look at Amy Klobuchar is running ads right now. I get more done than any other Democrat. I'm Iowa, Minnesota nice. She's running in Joe Biden's subprimary. And so I think this is I think the New York Times here is trying to do two things. Number one, they're trying to elevate Amy Klobuchar to diminish Joe Biden. I think there's a fear that Amy Klobuchar is fading and that Joe Biden will kind of get that. We've just got a win lane all to himself and overperform on caucus night. So they're trying to elevate Amy Klobuchar as a viable alternative to him. And then I think it's the idea that if she can do well enough promoting an all-female ticket for the presidency in in the general election in the fall, a Warren-Klobuchar ticket. So I think think there's two different things going on here with what the New York Times did this morning. Uh, Steve, what do you think of the people in Iowa that matter, the the, the big power players that are making these sort of calls and pushing – uh, pushing voters and, and have the real influence there on the ground. What do they think is going to happen? Well, they don't know. And I think that's why you're, you've seen Stu, Tom Vilsack, who was our, I guess we call him more moderate Democrat governor in the early 2000s. And um, I think that's why you're seeing him and John Kerry, who won, who won the Iowa caucus this year in 04. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of the old guard come back in here. They're trying to, they're trying to rescue Joe Biden. And I think if, if they thought for sure that he had this, they wouldn't risk outing themselves and alienating their own grassroots. I, I think this is triage, or maybe it takes a village to win a caucus. I think they're all trying to chip in and carry him across the finish line here. And I think the goal is just get Joe Biden to Super Tuesday and all those southern states with all those black voters and just have him be viable until then. And he can at least sweep enough of those states to force a convention, if not win the nomination. I think that's what their play is. And, and I think the fact that they're getting so active here down the street or down the stretch, Stu, indicates they're concerned about his ability to close the sale. Well, that's that. I mean, that's worse than a Romney candidacy. Agreed. Agreed. Romney, whatever you thought about him as a candidate, and I didn't think very highly on an ideological level, right. as a personal candidate, very polished, in charge, in command. Seldom did you see him get... Uh, you know, ruffled. You know, McCain did that to him in 08 in the New Hampshire primary. And he said, you are the candidate of change. And, and, the, and the race changed in 08 right at that moment, because it was the first time we'd ever seen Mitt Romney not on his mark. In 2012, when I was on the Newt campaign and Newt bloodied him up in that South Carolina debate, that changed that whole primary was in that debate. But those are the rare instances where Mitt Romney did not command the stage when he was in the room with the other candidates. Joe Biden cannot do that. He could have probably done that. I mean, Mitt Romney is also about 10 years younger, if not more. Now he's about 10 years younger than Joe Biden. So I think we're being hard on Biden. But in reality, guys, this is what most 80-year-old men are. Most 80-year-old men have, get off a good blast or two and make you think, hey, the old man still got it. And then you sit down for another half an hour and, you know, he's asleep with a cigarette dangling out of the side of his mouth. You know, like he's going to burn the whole damn house down. Okay, I mean, that's what most 80-year-old men are. And that's what you've seen with Joe Biden out on the campaign We trail. saw that and in the debate. documentary Christmas Vacation. That right. exact thing happened. And it's not, it's, not only, it's not only that, but Mitt Romney had support, but it was milk toast. If... Nobody had to drag him across the finish line early right, on. Right. If they're dragging this guy across the finish line, when you lose all the momentum of the Warren Sanders, the people that 
you know, voters are excited about. You've got somebody that no one is excited about. No one. And, and, and he's fallen into the trap. He's, his, all of his ads down the stretch here are, are po- his polling numbers against Trump. I'm the guy that can win. Regular Iowans on camera saying, eventually we have to win. And, and so he, he was supposed to be the Mitt Romney of this, of, this, of this race. He was supposed to be the adult in the room with experience while the grassroots kind of fiddled and, and, and played favorites and was going to kind of run and hide. He's ended up becoming the Jeb Bush here. And so what, just, what, 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 what matters now is whether Bernie Sanders can be the, the, the Donald Trump, meaning, again, the disruptor who can widen his coalition be, behind people, beyond people who just want to watch the system burn because they hate it, or whether Elizabeth Warren can be the Ted Cruz, meaning, again, I'm not drawing moral equivalencies, just situational ones, meaning beyond people who just pass her ideological test, um, can she grow a coalition beyond that? Cruz and Trump both passed those tests in 16, which is why they were the last two standing candidates after Jeb Bush folded. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are trying to pass that test right now. Imagine going back to the 2016 Republican primary, Trump and Cruz flail, and you're left with, well, I guess we go with Jeb Bush because there's nobody left. That's essentially the argument right now for Joe Biden. Um, uh, one, uh, one last question. Did you see the poll I think it's 86% of farmers overwhelmingly approve Donald Trump now. Does that play a role anymore in Iowa? Sure it does. I mean, we had, we had 33 counties that, that voted twice for Obama in, o, in 08 and 12, <clears throat> pardon me, that voted for Trump in 2016. And he lost a lot of those counties in the 2018 midterms. Uh, and, and, that, and, you know, that's why uh, we, we had, it was a good Democratic year in our state. In, in the last election. So, yes, it does matter. It, well, let me put a finer point on it. It matters not as much as the national media thinks, okay, because that population has diminished, but it still matters more than most people probably believe. The truth is somewhere in the middle, but absolutely it does matter on some level, no doubt about it. Steve, thank you so much. Steve Dace from The Steve Dace Show. You can uh, watch his program on Blaze TV immediately following this program every day. Uh, And he is the guy to go to when it comes to the Iowa elections. Thanks, Steve. You bet. All right. NetSuite. We were looking at some of the most recent polling out of Iowa and... Uh, there was a poll from the Des Moines Register, which is one of the highest ranked pollsters around, uh, that had Bernie Sanders in the lead, Warren in second, Buttigieg in third, and Biden in fourth. Uh, and, you know, it was a tight top of the ticket there between Sanders at 20 and Biden at 15, but that made a lot of news. Since then, however, there's been several more polls released, from, and some of them from really good pollsters that have, all of them have Biden in the lead. Uh, there was one uh, today that came out, tw- uh, Biden 24, Warren 18, Buttigieg 16, Sanders 14, Klobuchar 11. She's hitting double digits now in some of these. Um, same thing uh, from yesterday, 23 for Biden, Buttigieg 17, Warren 15, Klobuchar 11, Sanders 10, which is the first time I've seen wow. Klobuchar in, in the top four. Uh, uh, but there's an interesting one from Monmouth University. Um, and Monmouth, again, is a very highly rated pollster. They asked the question two two different ways. First, they asked the typical Iowa uh, field question, and it came out like this. Biden, 24% leading the field. 
Sanders at 18 and second, Buttigieg 17 and third, Warren with 15 and fourth, then Klobuchar at eight. Then, you know, this is when Booker is still there. Yeah. Booker 4% so, well, Steyer. So what was the question that they originally asked, the first question? The first question was just the normal one, what I just just, just described. Normal poll, here's all the candidates. Okay. Then they asked it a second way, and they said, here are your four options. What do you pick? And this is something that you've talked about many, many times, about being everybody's f- second choice. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a path to victory in mm-hmm. many ways. Um, of course, uh, most people will know that, whoop, there it is, never did hit number one. On the charts. However, I believe it was the number one song for the year. And it sat there at number two for like a zillion weeks and was beat out by some other crappy thing. Um, and was number two for a million weeks and wound up being like the number one song for the year, but never actually hit number one. And so th- I thought there was a little element of this here. So when you take all of these out, Biden leading by six in the major, major one at 24%, Buttigieg in third, when they boiled it down to only four uh, candidates, Biden, Buttigieg, Sanders, Warren, it came out like this. Biden at 28, Buttigieg at 25, hmm. Sanders 24, Warren 16. Wow. So to translate that, Warren picks up only one point when all of these other candidates are wiped out. Okay. Uh, Sanders picks up six. Buttigieg picks up eight uh, to go all the way up to second place. And then Biden picks up four. The question is, when you eliminate either Biden or Sanders... How do they jump? Because what you've done is you've you've eliminated mm-hmm. everybody else. It was probably a little more moderate than the two extremes. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, you know, does anybody jump to Buttigieg from Warren? Maybe anybody jump to Buttigieg uh, from Sanders? Probably not. Does anybody jump from Warren or Sanders to Biden? No. Well, it's, the the this is sort of the lane theory of these elections where there's sort of multiple primaries being played out at the same time. Uh, and you have, and the way we've talked about it mainly, and I think is the most dominant way, is the sort of crazy left socialist way and the just a liberal Democrat wing, right? They, most people would call that the moderate wing, though I see very little moderate out of any of these candidates no. that are supposedly moderate. moderate. They're not moderate as far as the national Constitution. View yeah. <laughs> they're all crazy leftists yes. in this primary. However, there's a difference between, obviously, Sanders and uh, Warren and Steyer, who you'd put out mm-hmm. there, and people who are, you know, the Buttigieg, the Biden, the Klobuchar. Um, but there's another way that these lanes break down, which is this sort of like... A white suburban intellectual elite wealthy cul-de-sac mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. those are biden and warren and those well the, they wind up Buttigieg does really well there really yeah so Buttigieg and warren who shouldn't necessarily share people on an idea mm. ideological uh, position mm. um at least at least in the theory of this yes. of the lanes um wind up sharing a lot of voters because they kind of have a similar profile as a candidate where uh, that's not necessarily the same as, you know, Sanders is coming at this as like a blue-collar socialism, a workers of the world unite socialism, mm-hmm. and Warren is coming at this as a Woodrow Wilson socialism, a, a you know, from the top down, I'm, I'm an intellectual and I'll have all the plans for you sort of approach. So there a lot of the same policies, but a different sort of messaging. But Warren vehicle. doesn't get the, the nod in Iowa. If that's true, what you just said, Buttigieg could do quite well. well and that's, you know... You, you kind of want to declare the Buttigieg thing over. I think there's a temptation 
And I think it's very still. It's still possible. It could be over. He's not. He's not as strong. But he, think of this. Think of this. Think how much trouble that party is in. Yeah, because he's really the only up and comer in this group, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I guess you could make the argument, Klobuchar. Well, unless you're thinking up and comer, they're coming up to heaven. <laughs> you know, I'll be there soon. <laughs> There's a lot of up and comers. A lot of those, lot of those lot about of to graduate <laughs> to a higher class uh, soon. <laughs> it is funny because. You know, the Democrats don't typically win with older candidates. No. Um, this is, you know, the John Kerry sort of approach is not a very good approach for them. The, you know, Walter Mondale and like this sort of. Those were spring chickens yeah, compared, compared to this. To, yeah. I mean, they're all, I mean, look, Trump's no spring chicken either. I mean, this is not a young field. No, but Trump doesn't feel, you know, like Warren, how old is Warren? She's got to be 75, <laughs> 73. I don't think she, I think she's 69 no, or 70. she's not. She's in her 70s. Okay. We'll get she's not in her 70s? This. We're getting oh, well, then I take this back. Uh, but I was going to say, she, she's 70. She's 70. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't seem ancient to me. Where Bernie Sanders seems like father time himself. Uh, Joe Biden seems like grandpa right before you take the keys away, or maybe it's a few days after before you ship him to the nursing home. You yeah. know, uh, Donald Trump doesn't move or walk or talk like an old guy. He no. just doesn't. And the Biden thing has changed a lot. Remember 2012, while he, I thought he was terrible in the debate, he was aggressive against Paul Ryan. Oh, it was, he was, he, you know, he he was, was in his 70s. He, yeah, this is now, he's getting older yeah. and older. <laughs> we have uh, Burgess Owens on. He is a NFL Super Bowl champion and a congressional candidate. Uh, he is uh, running, I don't even know which district. Is he on with us? Burgess? Hi, Glenn. Yes. Yeah. Which district, district are you running? Four. Which is it? Uh, district number four. Uh, number four. Number four district in four. Uh, Utah and a b- yeah. good friend of ours and uh, and uh, and just a really solid, solid guy. I wanted to have you on. It's Martin Luther King Day. So tell me, how old were you when Martin Luther King died? Oh, gosh. I was a soph- sophomore in high school. and um, Where were you living? You know, Glenn, I, I was in Tallahassee, Florida. We, had, uh, we were actually uh, at, at, I was in a, a school that had integrated Rickards High School, so we were going through a lot of that, that those, those issues during those days and uh, pretty tumultuous times. But uh, uh, it, was, it was a time also where I can now reflect back see the benefits of good men who did great things in that period, and now we're, we're living the results of that today. And if I can say, I can say this, I, I, I was looking at the search engine Bing today, B-I-N-G, and there's a picture of uh, Jackie Robinson and his wife and his, uh, his son and a bunch of other men and women uh, marching together. And, and I, I, I just highlight to people, that was a, I think Martin Luther King Day represents an era of good men, a respectful, uh, patriotic, a God-fearing, family-oriented, entrepreneurial, and visionary. If you take a picture of that, you see the, the environment I grew up in, and I'm so proud to say that uh, that was part of that, that great uh, generation that they taught us good things. Well, there was a there was a, a different way to go, and it was the Malcolm X way, uh, and there was you know the Black Panthers. A lot of people were pushing for this uh, to go towards violence, and I I really feel Burgess that I don't see the Martin Luther King. Um, agent of change uh, out there today. Somebody that, I mean, the left, it's crazy. The left has completely abandoned this guy because he's not radical enough. Well, the left never has embraced Martin Luther King. And this is what you have to understand. Uh, what Martin Luther King in that era represented was our Judeo-Christian values that made our country great. 
Uh, they represented the culture that every person, every pe- people, every group that comes here, once they embrace, they succeed and they become part of the middle class. The left has always been anti uh, 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 this, this, this American culture. Uh, it has always been angry. It has always been uh, undermining. And, it, and, the, and what they do best is they go after our kids. They, 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 uh, they attack the most vulnerable, which, you know, which are children, kids that are, that are, that are wide open, that are hopeful when they, when they come off to school, and, and they want to do the very best, and they come out feeling very angry, anti-God, and anti-American. So, you know, the left is doing what they're doing best, and unfortunately we've allowed them to uh, weave their way into my great community. And what you see in that picture is no longer what we see today. We don't see respectful men and women marching and talking and, and, and articulating themselves in a very intelligent way. Um, we don't see that because the left, again, has, has, has uh, taken us in a different direction. So Donald Trump is, we're looking at, I think, 3.9% unemployment, um, best unemployment since the 1960s, best unemployment for African-Americans of all time. Um, and I have seen African-Americans. Candace Owen is going to be on my uh, on my TV show tonight. Uh, this is the first time we're ever uh, we're ever going to be doing something together. And I have a ton of respect for her. She has really grown yeah. into a remarkable individual. Um, yes. But that's that is the um, the things that I'm starting to see. And maybe it's because I'm living in my white world with white privilege. But I'm starting to see African-Americans break out be themselves, not just be, uh, you know, uh, uh, I hate to use this phrase, but it's accurate, a slave to the Democratic Party doing whatever they tell them to do. Is that real? (laughs) It's real. And first of all, please tell Candace to say hello. She's become a good friend of mine. And and I tell you, uh, Grant, when I think of this, and when I was 30 years old, I I wasn't even coming close to have the wisdom, the courage, the insight that that, uh, that young lady has. And she represents this new, uh, this new generation that's waking up. And I'll, I'll say this, that the greatest president of President Obama was he was such a lousy president that Americans now saying, whatever happened, hope and change. What happened to the promises that not only this black savior is going to give us, but the Democratic Party has been promised us for the last 30, 40 years. So, yes, we are not only waking up, we are, we are advocating strongly come off this plantation. We have more and more black Americans now wearing the MAGA hats. And, and I, I, was, I was talking to Sarah Carter today, and I, and, I, and I asked the audience, you ever see a black American with a MAGA, a MAGA hat on? Please go up and shake his hand and say thank you, because they are on the front line. These are the guys, these are people, men and women, old and young, that say, you know what, I can care less what people call me. I can care less what the, quote, uh, means of our community are, are right now, what they, what they want us to believe. We are now saying we're going to run off this plantation, not only bring our kids back and our community back, but make sure the rest of America realizing do not trust these people. What they have done to us for the last 60, 70 years is exactly what they're trying to do to our country. So I'm, I'm very proud, number one, of our, of our country over, overall, but I'm extremely proud of a president who is standing up against these elitists and has done a great job. And, again, I was one of those guys that was very reluctant, uh, four years ago, but when I saw the uh, three years ago, when I saw the promise, uh, the the New Deal, the promise of New Deal for urban America, and I saw those ten tenets that President, that candidate Trump had put together. I said, if, if only he does this, he'll be worth it for me. He's done that and more. And thank goodness, uh, America's coming together to be proud again of who we are, and we can uh, have this conversation that we're going across, getting past this racial thing that the left has been driving us toward. 
uh, for, for the last few decades. As we're looking at the impeachment now, uh, the hearings start uh, tomorrow. Earlier on the program, we had Alan Dershowitz um, talking about it, um, and he's getting his head handed to him. Here's a liberal Democrat who didn't vote for Trump um, and, in fact, wrote his book about impeachment. And the original name of the book was the impeachment of Hillary Clinton because he thought people would impeach Hillary Clinton. And it turned out to be Donald Trump. Um, uh, what are your thoughts going forward here on this this impeachment? OK, well, first of all, uh, the campaign that I put together, Glenn, um, is based on four tenets that was given us to Booker T. by Booker T. Washington, hand, heart, hand, uh, head, heart, hands, and home, education, God, industry, and family. What we're doing now, we're seeing the fact that when godless, godless ideology takes over, which is what the socialist Marxists are, they could care less about rule of law, they care about what's fair, and they will turn on their own because they really care more about power than any type of loyalty. So this is what people have to recognize. Take God out of the picture, and you get to- total evil. And what we're dealing with, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about people. I'm, there are people who adhere to this evil. But more, more important, it's, a, it's an ideology that nowhere in the history of mankind has ever done anything but given misery, hopelessness, and anger. So what's happening now is we have a president who's giving our country the best society, the best economy we've ever experienced, jobs, um, entrepreneurship, like 400% of black entrepreneurship in, in the first two years. Wow. Uh, women working like crazy. I mean, it's across the board. It's never been, <clears throat> been this way, and the left has never been more angry because the, the people, we the people, are not miser- miserable. They, are not, they don't have the power. So President Trump is slowly but surely pulling back the curtain, first of all, to realize how insidious these people have been for a long, long time. And not only that, but realizing that, you know, we can have a very happy society that's based on harmony and, and looking at each other miss that out and we can have our kids excited about our future and those are things that they have they hate with 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 everything that they're all about and uh and so they're trying to destroy him because of it so it's, it's going to be very obvious to think to most most americans those who are fair and i think that's what most americans are they're fair and they just want people to keep their word keep it that simple mm-hmm. and uh, because he's doing that uh, they are losing power, and uh, they don't see it because they have no wisdom, because there's no guide in their, in their, in their purview. So we're going to continue to to move forward and, and get our country back, and I'm very, very excited about being part of that process. Burgess, we'd like to give the uh, web address for people to come and uh, help your campaign. However, we can't do that unless we get a Super Bowl pick. Chiefs 49ers. <laughs> well, listen, I'm uh, I'm a Philadelphia guy like, like you are, so, mm-hmm. you know, i got to go with Andy. Andy's yes. a great, classy, classy guy. He really and, is. I'm at a point now. I'm at a point now where I, I, I root for teams based on coaches. So for the last few years, if the Raiders haven't been close, it's always been Kansas City because Andy Reid is a first-class individual. So, by the way, my, my website is, is Burgess for the four tenants for utahcom And if I can say this for those, for those in the audience, it's not just Utah. The values we have here are those four tenants I mentioned, and it's time for us to take those values back to D.C. And let, instead of letting D.C. come here. And because it's the most important seat, one of the one top seats in this country, the Democrats need to have the seat to keep the power. We need to have the seat to get back our, get back our country. So America's across the board. Please support me in this process so we get our country back at BurgessForUtah.com. Thanks a lot, Burgess. Appreciate it. Burgess Owens, you, um, you bet. NFL Super Bowl champion. And I think he beat uh, the Eagles, didn't he? Didn't he? I think he was part of, part of that team that took down the Eagles. One uh, of the reasons I will never vote for the man. 
<laughs> he's gonna be great he'll be great he'd be Congress. great i I'd really like him he has uh, he has guts and then some he does and you know what's amazing is uh candace owens is the same he's exactly right about candace on uh i didn't have half the guts or intelligence that she has now and there are a lot of people like that that we were not you know when you were 20 when i was 20 we were asleep at the switch because no, we weren't being pushed anywhere. I mean, it was like, great. Everything was fine. I barely so, woke up to make it into the place where the switch was. Right. Let fall I didn't even it. have a switch. <laughs> I didn't even know where the switch Welcome to the uh, program. Boy, I, I have to tell you, my wife comes home tomorrow night. Oh, thank God. <laughs> you know. Sure, it, she's just as thrilled. No, she probably not. Um, <laughs> because, honey. It's a disaster area. I mean, I think my primary job when my wife is gone is just to keep my children alive. Yeah. Would you agree? That's it. Okay. Keep no other my responsibilities. Children alive. Remember to feed them. Yeah. I mean, if it, well, that works with the keeping them alive thing. If you don't feed them and they stay alive, and it doesn't I matter. I say that them. they are teenagers, so they got to remember that stuff their, their yeah. own self, you yeah. know. Uh, take care of the essentials. Make sure there are no wolves in the house. Yeah, you shouldn't be stray, random wolves, marauding yes, anything. Of, really, yeah. yes. okay. Keep them safe. Keep them alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, keep the c- clothes you know clean, and and they're Those at school. Borderline, and- yeah. But like, is school is is a good one. Try to get them there. Right on the <laughs> days they're supposed to be. Okay, you have lower standards than I do. I be- I disagree. I think we are at that point of look. This is this is it. You, when you are put in this position and your wife is away doing whatever she's doing. So it's not like she's having a picnic. She's been in the hospital with my father-in-law. I know. She's got a really good reason. For the last week. And meanwhile, my daughter, at the same time, went into the hospital for brain surgery. Been a very difficult, stressful couple of weeks for you. Yes. And that's why you have to let go of these side items you've been worrying about. Yeah, I see. I don't think laundry is a side item. Oh, I think it is. You you can't wear dirty clothes. It's not possible. It's possible, but then my wife comes home tomorrow night to a gigantic pile of her family's laundry. Oh, she's gonna be she's gonna be thrilled that no, she, that's she's, all she's coming no, back she, to. She, you, well, she's you coming burn, back to a lot more. What percentage of the house did you burn down? Mm, down, burn it down to the ground. None. I mean, she's yeah. gonna be thrilled. <laughs> right. This is right. all you can do. No. Is maintain the very basics of life. So this is what this, this this actually an argument that started like at seven o'clock this morning between Stu and I. He said, "I said, man, this weekend I I we took down all the Christmas decorations and tried to, and I just can't keep track of every. I can't multitask at the house like my wife can, you know. And I think it's just because of not lack of skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can multitask, but I just don't sure. know. There's no. It's like." Uh, you know, getting into an airplane and somebody saying, oh, it's your turn to fly here. You know, here's a list of things you should do. Right. But this is the problem with you is like you're you're the, you've been thrown into the pilot seat. And you're like, well, let me make sure the beverage service is still going. Like I, the, <laughs> these these things are side items. You try to keep the, the anything you can to keep the the the, the house in uh, standing order, meaning it's standing up. <laughs> and the kids uh, uh, as well also standing up. I think there's a little more than that. Here's the thing. I think I'm not sure because I would have completely panicked if they were both four and five years old. Would have panicked. But they're teenagers. 
you don't leave a parent alone and I'm not unarmed, but I am unwilling to use them on my own children at this point. I just want the kids to know that there is a caveat there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't leave a parent alone with teenagers. That's not right. It's not, it's not right. Again, they whatever you they, whatever you try to do in this situation is only going to make things worse. You need to come to that realization and then just don't do things. You are a lazy husband. I feel lazy? Sorry. I'm you trying to la- help. I'm trying to help you. Lazy, lazy husband. And that's saying you something because I'm a lazy husband. All the crap you did, she's going to come back and say, oh, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. You're going to fail. True. <laughs> <laughs>